The whole world has changed and the church is asleep. This is Mission Shift, a podcast that shares ideas about reaching out to the immigrant cultures in America today. When most people think of missions, they immediately think of somewhere overseas. Yet missions today could mean the neighbor next door. Our conversation today is with Roland Wells, a historian, pastor, and communicator who has spent most of his life teaching people how the gospel can impact all people and cultures. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks again for joining us for Mission Shift Podcast with Pastor Roland Wells. There are many different ways that we can apply mission shift to the culture. It's not just for things that happen within the church. It could be applied to business, and we want to talk about that today with Pastor Roland Wells. The next thing we want to look at in this whole area of culture is, are there other applications of understanding another culture? Every aspect, whether you're an insurance salesman, whether you're a receptionist in a business, whether you're a dentist or whoever you are, you're no longer going to be working just with people of your own background. And learning about people of other backgrounds will not only enhance your life, but it will make you much, much, much more effective in this future world, where now we're at a point where about 25% of the people in the Twin Cities are now people who have come recently, they and their families, from other parts of the world. Now, all of a sudden, that makes it much more of a challenge to understand people, understand what their, their gestures mean. All of a sudden, now we've got to take a little bit of a world tour and learn something about these folks so that we can be effective. Now, let me tell you how this makes a difference. Now, I have two sons. My younger son was big-time jock and big-time baseball guy and went up to college and destroyed his shoulder. He was a catcher, was thrown 87 miles an hour, ripped his shoulder blade off his back. Baseball, which had been his whole life from the time he was age four, all of a sudden was gone. He came home that year, and he was kind of devastated, and he decided that God was calling him to go with YWAM. So he went with YWAM for one semester, and then he went up and he did some construction work and repair up in Denali in the National Park and kind of trying to figure out what he wanted to be when he grew up and finally focusing on some things. And he came back and he ended up at Bethel. In fact, he picked out a different college and then the last minute went to Bethel and ended up with a degree finally in cultural anthropology. And he had never been much of a scholar, but all of a sudden now that baseball was gone and really enjoying learning about other cultures. Grew up in a church that was surrounded by at least 100 different cultures, and we've done some traveling with the kids. Now, when he finished up with the cultural anthropology degree, he graduated and was living back at home again. He said, well, Dad, I I need to find a job. Well, really, Dad, what I want to do is construction management. Now, he worked as a carpenter. He worked in repair and maintenance, and he liked that stuff. I said, well, you know, you really don't have to have a construction manager degree, which is what all the guys get nowadays. He said, well, you know, I really kind of like this. Well, you know, it's he came out of college in uh, 2005 and everybody was hiring him. I said, well, you know, do some interviewing. And so he uh, he did interview and they hired him as, as an assistant construction manager. Now, the big company he was working for, nobody that worked directly for their company ever touched a hammer. 
that's a, the way a lot of the big home builders do it now in our area is that everything is done by subcontractors. So you'll have first have a framing crew come in, and that's one company, and somebody else comes in and does sheetrock, and somebody else comes in and does the uh, you know has done the concrete, somebody else does the roofing, and somebody else does the siding, and all they do is siding, 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 or roofing, roofing, roofing. Now in many of the things like roofing or sheetrock where it's a limited knowledge base, most of the work in those areas is being done by immigrants. A lot of them are undocumented immigrants. So my son got to the to the company and he's overseeing the construction of several different units and coordinating all these different subcontractors. Starts a job in uh, late May and sometime in late August he the headquarters of the company is out like in Chaska and Tim was building up in Maplewood and the uh, the vice president's Cadillac pulls in. He winds down the window and he says, hey, where's Tim Wells? So he says, well, I'm Tim Wells. Son, we need to talk. And Tim immediately thinks, uh, well, it was a nice job while it lasted. So they sit down with a cup of coffee and the vice president says, well, son, you know, we're a publicly traded company. So there, we've got data on everything. We know how long things take. We know how much they cost. We know how much labor is involved. We know who's on schedule and who isn't on schedule. We've got 60 construction managers and assistant construction managers in this company. You've worked for us for three months, and somehow you're getting results out of your subcontractors that nobody else in this company, people have worked here 20, 30 years, you're getting results. Your work is getting done more accurately, faster, more on time, with fewer repairs afterwards than anybody else in the company. We want to know how you're doing it. He kind of chuckled. He said, well, all your other guys are construction manager majors, and I'm a cultural anthropology major. And so he began to explain, well, you know, when the Korean ciders do a good job, I thank them, and I go over and I talk to them, and I learn about them, and I take an interest in them and in their families. And uh, the Latinos, Latino roofers and the Latino people that were doing the sheetrock and so forth, he would, uh, his Spanish wasn't fabulous, but it was adequate, and he would talk to them, and they would invite him to parties. He didn't attend, but they'd invite him, and not only did these guys love him and come in at special times and give him the high, highest priority to get the jobs done, and they were done beautifully, it was because he treated them as people. Well, not only that, but the, these subcontractors took his name to other construction companies. And he had two sight unseen job offers from other construction companies that summer, that very first summer. And each time he'd go to his boss and say, you know, what do I do? They want to pay me 5,000 bucks more. They said, well, we don't get a bidding war, but yeah, we'll match that. Well, by the end of that first summer, he'd received like, I don't know, two or three raises and he was making more money than I make. But he was effective in his job because he understood and took time to learn about and treat people of other cultures with respect. And instead of grunting at them and treating them like they were stupid or whatever, he entered in and he learned them as people and learned them as cultures. And they loved him for it. They felt welcomed and they got the job done much better. Another one of our graduates happened to be working in the Twin Cities. Uh, Her family owned a, uh, a nursery, gift shop, floral shop, in the town, the next town west of Vail, up in the ski areas. Almost all of their workers are seasonal Latinos, and they worked through the visa process and so on. was so excited when she went back home. She already had a business degree, and she had worked here in the Twin Cities, but after taking our class, she said, this has changed our whole company. 
learning about cultures and learning the cultures of the people around us, all of a sudden our whole relationship with our workers have changed. Our, we're much more effective. Our workers are happy. We have, we have retention of workers. And it's changed. Taking the class has changed the whole way in which I function in my job and our whole family deals with how we're, we're learning the culture and what we're doing. And it's been fabulous. And it's made our work much more joyful. I love this aspect of how Mission Shift is not just about a missionary venture. It expands out to, as you're explaining today, stories of people who have used the training in business to help grow a business venture or sales or products and so forth. So Mission Shift is a class once a week. Tell us about that and tell us some of the topics that a person would learn if they attended the class. Well, Mission Shift is a, it's kind of an informal class and it's an introductory class. A lot of colleges are starting to use it, but it's meant for the person that's got a real job in the real world, teaching Christians to build and lead cross-cultural ministries. That doesn't mean you've got to build a 501c3 corporation. It means you grab a couple friends and say, let's go do this. So first of all, we teach you about, you know, what is a culture? And we get you comfortable with understanding and learning our neighborhood in South Minneapolis, a place where there's over 100 languages, we believe. Constantly changing, all kinds of ethnic restaurants, and it's a, and it's a safe place. I've been there 29 years, and I've hardly ever been killed. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it is a safe place. It's not a place, you know, television's shows us some silly things, but it's a fun place. It's a vibrant place. People of all kinds of backgrounds. We teach you how to be, how to function, you know, in the city. We teach you about cultures. And then we have people from a whole bunch of different cultures. One of our ideas is we use the leaders of the city to teach the city to the people of the city. And so you get to meet all kinds of people who are from different ethnic groups and people have worked in, in other countries and come, you know, talk about what they've learned about cultures and some of the dumb things they did. And there's a lot, you have to have a lot of humor and you have to laugh a lot and forgive a lot when you're dealing with other cultures because, well, it's kind of like dealing with your in-laws, you know, every every family has different rules and we're going to make it say and do dip, stupid things. Well, that's a, the clash of cultures. Well, I was just going to say that in church, experiences we learn about theology or in seminary or in Bible school, whatever you training you may have. We've learned about the Bible, but we also have to learn now how to relate that Bible in different cultures. And we've been monotheistic culture in America, right? It's just been kind of, at least that's how we've been well, we're thinking. we're mono, monocultural. We th- see ourselves as a monocultural yes, people. And, and that's not the but, case anymore. Well, and of course it never has been. But when right. we came through the Great Depression and came through... World War II, and all of a sudden, all the rules were broken, and everything was, you know, in the 1950s, we pretended there was one culture, and it was Leave it to Beaver, and Father Knows Best, and, and then we had all the Westerns to help reestablish the myth of who we were, you know, and there was one Chinese guy, Hop Singh, and in Bonanza, and, uh, you know, late 60s, we, you know, had three or four black people all of a sudden that appear in America. Okay, but anyway, so today, of course, we're surrounded by all sorts of other cultures, except at church, because churches become like lifeboats. Churches are places where we want to be with people who get all of our inside jokes, people we don't have to argue with in politics, people who understand our cultures, people who understand where we came from, have the same socioeconomic level and values and like 
like the same music and cheer for the... I mean, it gets really ridiculous. The church was never meant to be inbred like that. That's correct. And Mission Ship tries to bring a different mindset for people of faith. But as we've been talking today about the stories as Pastor Wells has been relating, is it's not just for people who are in full-time Christian ministry. It's people who are in full-time life. Life experiences with business, they can learn things that can help them in their occupations and professions. We believe that the key to the future of the American church is to take that religious consumer in the pew and turn them into a frontline missionary, to change their mental view that we're not here in a lifeboat with all these people who are just like us and like the same stuff in potlucks. In this hostile world, we are hiding here in our safe little fortress. Blow it wide open. Mm. Take our people and, and get them involved in living out their faith and welcoming people around them and being the relationships and the adhesive and the network that bring together our society. The Church of Jesus Christ has a very special role in doing that, but it's it's going to enrich us and it's going to strengthen the church and it's going to make people, you know, you don't, you don't learn something until you can teach it. Until you take your faith and put wheels on it, your faith is just kind of theoretical. You want to live that vibrant life that God's got for you. You learn to take those two little rubbery things just below your nose, these guys right here, and you learn to, you learn to wiggle those just right and you can talk to the person that's checking you out at, uh, you know, checking your groceries out at Target. You can actually develop friendships with the person across the next cube working with you. We're surrounded by people of other cultures. Right. So people who are listening today, Roland, how do they get more information? And I think for those who are listening that sort of understand a little bit about what Mission Shift is about, share these podcasts with others so that they will get a more broader picture of what we're about. Stick them on Facebook. You betcha. There you go. But how do they get the initial contact information right now? Our best access is our website, missionshift.org. Missionshift.org. Did I sound like a radio guy there? Yeah. Missionshift.org. And there's videos on there, free ones. You can choose how to order more videos that are all commercially done, church things that can be used in your uh, small groups in your church, your adult ed in your church, or a neighborhood group, or just among, among a bunch of friends. We got the podcast that you're listening to now. And come and take the class. Get involved, right? Yep. Also, if somebody wanted to have a special speaker to come out to a small group Sunday school or a pulpit exchange kind of thing, sure. same place that they would contact you? Contact us right through the, the website there, and we uh, we can do some of that. And we have got some good speakers that work with us. God is up to something in the Twin Cities, and God is up to something in his church. I think we're on the right on the edge of something God is about to break loose in this world. But what he wants to start breaking loose is you. He wants to blow your world wide open. And in the midst of just a normal world where you're dealing with kids and job and little league practice and all the rest of it, God can still take you and turn you outward so that you recognize the world and the people around you and just make some friends, have some relationships, and that's how we transmit Jesus. Well, you've been listening to the Mission Ship Podcast. Thanks for joining us today for this podcast. If you liked what you heard, please join us again next time. You can go to our website at missionshift.org for more information. While you're online, you can sign up for the RSS feed that will deliver a link to your email inbox so you'll never miss an episode. That address again is missionshift.org.